right, if your Bibles open up to Genesis chapter number 32, and uh, I'll be doing the last lesson of streams in the desert that we have been going through on, in Sunday school, and uh, we're going to look at Jacob this morning. And Jacob, uh, he, he's a complete mix of good and bad. He, he's just a, a character. If you've read through the life of Jacob, you know uh, what I mean by that. He's a great illustration in my opinion, of the Christian nature versus the fleshly nature within us. And that battle that constantly takes place in our own life. And he illustrates this battle, uh, and it's displayed very outwardly uh, in the life of Jacob. And so it's a, it's a good illustration of that, and there's a lot that can be gleaned from the life of Jacob. In, J- in Genesis chapter 32, uh, Jacob has already stolen the birthright from his brother Esau. You remember he did that. Uh, and then he has already stolen the blessing by lying to his father and tricking him into blessing him instead of Esau. You remember how, uh, how Isaac had sent Esau out into the fields to hunt for venison, and, uh, and Jacob, uh, he, he went in and he tricked Isaac into blessing him uh, by putting goat's hair on his arms and, uh, and, and making himself like, appear like uh, Esau. And, uh, and Isaac then blessed Jacob instead of Esau. And when Esau came, then both Esau and Isaac realized what had taken place. And, uh, and boy, they were really upset, of course. And then after uh, that, Jacob had fled and left his hometown. He left the area. Esau was mad at him, basically threatened his life, said, hey, I'm going to kill you. And, uh, and so he fled and left. And when he went into this other place, uh, he was there and he ended up meeting a man that was just as conniving and deceitful as himself. Uh, he had met his match in life. You could say it that way. Uh, and so as he meets Laban there, he ends up working uh, 14 years to marry Rachel. If you remember, uh, he had fallen in love with Rachel and he wanted to marry Rachel. And so Laban agreed, okay, seven years uh, and then you can marry Rachel. Come to the wedding. Uh, he was tricked and fooled and he married Leah instead of Rachel. Uh, and of course, he was upset about that. And, uh, and, and Laban said, well, you know, it's our custom. You marry the oldest first and then the next one. And he said, go ahead and work another seven years and I'll, I'll give you Rachel as well. And, uh, and so Laban as well was very um, crafty or, or conniving, if you could say it that way. And, uh, and so after uh, Jacob had spent some 20 years there, uh, he finally leaves to go back home. And that's kind of where we pick up this story. In Genesis chapter number 32, in verse number 1, the Bible says this, And Jacob went on his way, And the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, uh, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak unto my lord Esau, Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban, and stayed there until now. I have oxen, and asses, flocks, and men servants, and women servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find grace in thy sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. 
Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands and said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And we'll stop right there and, uh, and have a word of prayer before we get into our lesson this morning. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house, Father, and uh, the opportunity to gather around your word. Father, thank you for the liberty that we still have uh, here, Father, at least in our state of Ohio. God, there's churches that are uh, still today not allowed to meet in their building. And Father, we thank you again for uh, what we do have here. And God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. I pray, Father, that you would touch each and every heart as only you can. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at Jacob's life, uh, we're going to look at a little bit of this. But, but the first thing I want you to notice as we think about streams in the desert is I want you to think about the fact of the stress that Jacob's life, uh, or that Jacob had in his life, in this moment in his life. Now, Jacob was a uh, wheeler and a dealer, if I could say it that way. And so, uh, he was constantly trying to figure out how to get the upper hand, and, and uh, constantly trying to uh, work a situation towards his favor. And, and that's just the kind of person that he was, uh, based on reading through his life here in Scripture. But here in, in Genesis chapter 32, as we read through this, we see the stress that he was under. Uh, we don't forsake a time, we wouldn't have time, but if we were to go back to Genesis 31, I want you to see where he exited from Laban. Even when he left from Laban, uh, it was a stressful time. It was not a, a simple time in his life. Go back with me to Genesis 31 and look at verse number 25. Genesis 31, just back one page, the Bible says in verse 25, 3125, then Laban overtook Jacob. Let me stop right there. J well, I think it, it, it explains it here. Let's, let's go on. In verse 25, then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in, mount, in the mount of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what hast thou done that thou hast stolen away unawares to me and carried away my daughters as captives taken with the sword? Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly and steal away from me and didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs and with tabret and with harp. So we can see here in verses 26 and 27, when Jacob left Laban's house, he did not tell him goodbye. Um, now, that's very, uh, very odd for, for this culture and for these people. I mean, uh, when we lived in Peru, uh, one of the things that we got used to uh, is, is when you walk into a room, if, we, if I was in Peru, if our church was located in Peru this morning, and I were to walk in, uh, it's customary, you would go around to every person and tell every single person, hi, it's good to see you. That's just customary. Matter of fact, if you don't do that, uh, they, they kind of consider you rude. Uh, and they think, well, that guy he must be mad at me or something. And when you leave, 
if I were to leave, I would have to go through and each one, hey, I'm, see, I'm leaving. See, it's not long, but it's just a customary uh, to say goodbye, to leave every time you come in and every time you leave. And, and, uh, and, and one of the things we had to teach people is when you come in late to church, please don't tell everyone hi, okay? Um, you're late. Just sit down. You can tell them hi after church because <laughs> they would come in, I kid you not, and, and uh, hi, 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 and interrupt the whole service and you know, stuff like that. Uh, but that's, you know, customs run deep for people. And it was customary in their time uh, to, they would not just up and leave. So uh, Jacob just upping and leaving uh, was very offensive. As you can see Laban, I mean, he chased after him and he said, hey, why did you just up and leave? You took away my daughters. You took away my grandchildren. You didn't even say goodbye. Now, he didn't just jump in his van, you know, and load it up with his two wives and all his kids and say, well, let's go. I mean, leaving had to be a great feat. He had a lot of flocks. He had a lot of stuff. He didn't just load it on the U-Haul and drive away at 4 o'clock in the morning before the sun came up. Uh, I mean, he, he to get out of there was probably quite a feat, and he did so without even telling Laban that he was leaving. And, um, and so you can see that that was a, a stressful time. Look with me in verse, we left off at verse 26, uh, or 28 rather. Let's read verse 28. And he says in verse 28, and hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters, thou hast now done foolishly in so doing. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the God of your father spake unto me yesternight, saying, Take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. And now, though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou sore longest after thy father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? And so we find here that not only did, uh, did, did Jacob just leave with no goodbyes, leave with not, without announcement, leave without uh, anything, uh, but also Laban is upset because his gods or his idols had been stolen uh, from his house. And now Jacob did not know, uh, I don't think Jacob knew anything about that. That was Sarah who had taken those. Uh, but, but here he is. So now, now Laban and Jacob are at odds. And you know, when family are at odds, it's odd. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's stressful. Uh, and that's just the nature. And, and this is not the first time that Jacob and Laban had been at odds. I mean, the whole time that Jacob was there with Laban, it was always, uh, well, he did this, and well, I'm changing this. And, and, uh, and they would go constantly back and forth. Uh, and you see here that, that it was stressful when he pulled out. And Laban was upset, and he goes after him. Um, and we find, look at what Lab or Jacob had said. When everything was said and done, of course, Laban looked for the idols, and he did not find them. And, and, uh, and look at what Jacob had told Laban in verse number 40, 41, verse 41 of, of Genesis 31. He says, Thus have I been twenty years in thy house, I serve thee fourteen years for thy two daughters and six years for thy cattle, and thou hast changed my wages ten times. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely thou hadst sent me away now empty. God hath seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. So Jacob is saying, listen, if I left... 
uh, the reason I pulled out and I didn't say goodbye is because, man, I was afraid you'd say you can't have that cattle. And you know what? Uh, you didn't finish paying off your time for my daughters. And so my daughters stay. And, and you know what? They're kids that's there, so they're going to stay. And, and he's saying, man, the, you know, there would have been a great divide. And so you can see how stressed and concerned that, uh, that Jacob was about this whole departure. And, uh, and you can see that these guys, man, they went, how would you like to live in their family for 20 years? I mean, just constant back and forth, just back and forth. And, and they argued about, uh, you know, who, who he would marry. And then they argued about wages. They argued about cattle. And that's my cattle. I got the, I got the, I got the striped cattle and you got the plain cattle. And, and so then this and back and forth. And they would go back and forth about everything. And finally he leaves. But you can see that it was an exit with stress. And there was a lot of stress in, in, in Jacob's life when he left. You find in verse 55 of chapter 31 that they finally left with goodbyes. In verse 55, the Bible says, And early in the morning Laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them, and Laban departed and returned unto his place. So finally they left. But I could imagine uh, Jacob's life just still kind of reeling from some of that and, and just his... Uh, you know, being upset about all of that. Then we get right into chapter uh, 32, and, and we have the stress from leaving Laban's, and now he's in even more stress because he's headed in to see his brother. Now, you know, the last time he saw his brother was 20 years ago when he was furious with him, when he said, I'm going to kill you. And, 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 and he left, and, and, and it was not a good parting. So now he's left on bad terms with Laban. Uh, well, they finally kind of patched stuff up, at least for a day enough, long enough to say goodbye and, and, uh, and semi-be at peace with each other. But he's going right into a very stressful situation with Esau because uh, he did not leave Esau on good terms. And, uh, and Jacob is concerned about it. Look with me at verse number 3 as we read there in 30, chapter 32 and verse 3. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother unto the country of Seir, uh, the country of Edom. And so Jacob is, is concerned and he says, listen, uh, I need to send some messengers over to my brother. Man, I got to feel out what's going to happen. Uh, is my brother still angry at me? Is my brother going to uh, come after me with, a, with an army to slay me? And, and he's concerned about that. And, uh, and we find that uh, Jacob is an interesting character because everywhere he seems to go, he, he leaves on bad terms. He left on bad terms with, with Esau in the beginning. He left on bad terms with Laban when he left out of there. And, uh, and I, I heard it said many times or some time ago that, uh, listen, if you find that nobody can get along with you, it's probably the problem is not everyone else. I mean, just saying. And that's probably true with Jacob's life. Uh, you know, the fact that he couldn't get along with everyone, it was probably points right back to Jacob and the fact that he had some issues in his life that he did need to deal with. But I want you to notice that he was very stressed when he comes into this. And, uh, and we read there in verse number 6, when the messengers come back, it says in the middle of the verse, and he cometh also to meet thee and 400 men with him. Boy, if that doesn't get your mind to turn it. You done sent messengers out. Hey, go, go spy on my brother and find out what is going on. And the messengers come back and they're like, yeah, we found Esau and here he's coming and he has 400 men with him. Now this does not look good for Jacob. 
I mean, he's looking at that. He's, he's like, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't have his family. He's not coming out for a family reunion. He's got 400 men with him. Um, and, and Jacob's thinking, man, this is really not good. And so we find Jacob becomes very concerned, uh, and he's, he left on bad terms with Laban, and he's going into bad terms with Esau, and, and he's just in a, a tough spot in his life. And you could imagine that he's stressed there. Look at verses 7 and 8. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. Uh, and in verse 8, it, it explains why he did that. Uh, he said, well, I'm going to divide everything up and, and we'll send this company first. And if, if Esau goes after them and kills them, then, hey, at least half of us will survive. And so he starts to think of a way that he can get out. And, and I want you to realize and understand that, uh, that Jacob was under a lot of stress in his life. Listen, sometimes we are under a lot of stress in our life. Sometimes, uh, I don't know about you, but, but it seems like 2020 caused a lot of stress for a lot of people. Uh, and so coming out of that, it's just kind of stressful. And, uh, and so we find that there was a lot of stress here in Jacob's life. But I want you to look at how he handled it. And probably this would be, uh, in part, a good example of what not to do. And so we find here in verse 9... The Bible says, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which thou which saidest unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercies and of all tr the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidst, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now, we read 9 through 12 there, and, and, and you say, well, that sounds really good. And if you look at, if, if the passage stopped right there, it would be good, but it doesn't. Uh, that is Jacob's prayer. Now listen, it is good. That is a good thing. Go to God in prayer. You ought to go to God in prayer. Uh, I'm not saying that that was a bad thing. That certainly was a good thing. He did go to God. He did ask God to, uh, to help him. He did ask God to protect him. And, and sometimes, um, sometimes we, we need, can I say it that way, those bad things in our life to remind us, oh, I need to go to God in prayer. Because sometimes we, when, when everything's just going along good, you know what we do? We, we, we forget about prayer. We forget about God. And, and, and all that goes to the side. But when we get into a situation that we can't handle and we can't fix, then all of a sudden, well, I've got to pray and I've got uh, to seek God's face. And we find Jacob in that very same, uh, same mindset of saying, man, uh, I can't go back to Laban. Esau's got an army after me and he's going to kill me. And, uh, and I don't know where to turn. So then he turns to God. And he prays and his prayer is good. And everything that he, he's asking there is all good. But I want you to notice the scheming of Jacob. Look with me at verse 13. So his prayer is good, 
But then we find that he starts to scheme and to plot. Look with me at verse 13. The Bible says, And he lodged there that same night, and took of the and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau his brother. Two hundred she-goats, and twenty he-goats, two hundred ewes, and twenty rams, thirty milk camels with their colts, forty kine, and ten bulls, twenty she-asses, and ten foals. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space betwixt drove and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau my brother meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither goest thou, and whose are these before thee? Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau, and behold also, he is behind us. So Jacob starts to organize this thing. He's like, he prays in verses 9 through 12, and he asks God to deliver him. And then in verses 13, all the way down, he, he starts to uh, figure out, how can I make this work? Now, I, wanna, I do want to say this, that, that we do have to be caught. There's a fine line between faith and foolishness, and you can fall off either side. I remember in Bible college, uh, it, it would bother me when, when some of the college students would, would say, uh, we'd have devotions each night, and they raise their hand, they say, pray for me that I find a job. Oh, okay, we'll pray for you that you find a job. Wonderful, not a problem. And, and then on Monday, uh, after classes, they spent all afternoon fooling around in the dorms. Did their homework, went to bed. Tuesday, they spent all afternoon fooling around in the dorms. Uh, maybe they went to the gym and played some basketball. Did their homework, went to bed. Wednesday, uh, they spent all afternoon doing nothing, and then they went to church that evening. Thursday, they did nothing about finding a job. And what I'm saying is, uh, they were, we were praying that, that the Lord would give them a job, but, but yet, at the same time, they were doing nothing to look for it. So there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. And while we have to have faith and we have to trust, there, there is a little bit of, of, of working on our own part as well. But Jacob, I think, goes to the other extreme and says, I'm going to manipulate everything, and then I'm going to say, look what God did. And you can kind of see that in this passage. And so there's a, there's a fine line of balance, and it is, uh, I, I would issue a caution as we look at this and think about this idea, and... Uh, and just understand that there is that fine line there. Uh, you heard about the fella uh, that uh, he was caught in a flood. And, uh, and so, man, he, he went up to the second story of his house and he started praying. He said, Lord, I want you to save me. And, uh, and so uh, pretty soon a, a boat come along. And it was the Coast Guard, and they said, hey, you need to get in this boat. Uh, the floods are really bad, and, and we're here to save you. And, and he said, oh, no. He said, I prayed and asked the Lord, and the Lord's going to save me. They said, okay, and they left. The flood, flood waters started to go higher, and, and so, so then uh, the next thing you know, he's, he's in his attic, and, and, uh, and the flood waters start to come up, and he's got a little tiny window in his attic, and, and pretty soon the Coast Guard comes by with a boat again, and they, they said, hey, listen, these flood waters, they're not going to recede, they're going to keep coming, and, and you need to get on the boat, we'll save you. And, and he said, oh no, he said, I prayed, and the Lord's going to save me. He said, okay. And so they left. 
So he gets all the way, he had to break through his roof and he climbs out on top of his roof and he's, he's at the very peak of his roof and the waters keep coming up and, and, uh, and pretty soon uh, the Coast Guard comes by with a helicopter and they call out, they see him on the rooftop and they say, hey, we're here to save you, uh, we'll drop down the line and he waves him off, he says, no, go away, Lord's going to save me. And he, so he died, he gets to heaven. And he said, Lord, why didn't you save me? And the Lord says, I sent three opportunities and you turned them all down. <laughs> Sometimes it's like that, that, uh, that we'll deny all of God's plans and, and we're going to do it our way. And, and Jacob was looking for uh, doing it his way and, and doing what he wanted. So he organizes all of his, his, his flocks. And you see there, well, you, you say, man, what would I do with 400 goats? You might not want 400 goats today. I don't even think I'd be able to fit that many goats in my yard, to be honest with you. So I wouldn't know what I would do with them. I'd have to go find somewhere to put them. Uh, but, but in Bible times, that was cash. That was golden. I mean, that was, that was a lot. And, and what Esau was, or Jacob was offering to Esau was large portions of, of money uh, and large amounts. And, and so he organized it so that all the goats or whatever the animal would go first. And, and he had that, and he had that servant. And he said, listen, here's what you're going to tell Esau. When you run into Esau, I want you to tell him, these are presents, they're for you, they're from your servant, Jacob. And he's subtly trying to, uh, to, to soften Esau's anger. And so that, that, that whole drove would go, and then another drove of, of camels would come by, and, and, uh, and, and Esau would be like, what are all these camels? And the servant was to say, hey, these are all presents to you from your servant, and that's a key word, Jacob. And, and so this would go on and on for all of these sets of animals. And Esau, or Jacob, is thinking in his mind, he said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to soften Esau's anger. So by the time that finally he sees me, he's going to be so overwhelmed with all of this wealth and all of these presents that I've given him that he's not going to be angry with me and he's not going to kill me. That's kind of what uh, Jacob is thinking. And so we see that he sets all of that up. Look with me at uh, verse 20. And he says, And say ye moreover, Behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face, peradventure he will accept of me. And so we find that, uh, that, that Jacob is, is trying to finesse the whole circumstance and, and, and cause that uh, Esau would not be upset with him. And, and I just want to say this, that God is not glorified by us manipulating circumstances and then pointing to him. When we work something out, and I've, saw, I've seen this done before, uh, where people will work something out, and, and, and clearly they've worked it out of their own ability, and they've worked it out, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll point to God and say, look at, praise the Lord that God did all of that. And it's, it's a good thing to try and give honor and glory to God, but can I say something? That God does stuff far better than we can. And so we find 
Jacob here trying to manipulate the entire circumstance. And I don't think Jacob's heart was bad, but Jacob had a problem fully trusting in God to take care of the situation. He said, well, I'm trusting in God, but I'm going to work it all out, and I'm going to make sure that it all takes place, and I'm going to make sure that, that, uh, that, that this is uh, going to work, and I'll be sure to give God the honor and glory. Look at, look at God's provision already. Look with me in verse number 1 of chapter 32. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host, and he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And we find that in verses 1 and 2, that God had already sent angels to be with Jacob. Much less if we were to go back to the chapter previous, when, uh, when Laban came after him. And you know what God did? Jacob referred to it. He said, uh, or Laban rather referred to it. God came to Laban in a dream. I don't know if it was at night or during the day or when. But God warned Laban and said, listen, you don't touch Jacob. You don't speak good or bad to him. Uh, you don't go after him. God gave a very clear and stern warning to Laban about that. And Esau, or Jacob should have already recognized, you know what, God is protecting me. And I can trust God because God has already taken care of me in Laban. And, and he didn't realize perhaps that Laban would come after him. And he didn't know all of the details. But he did see the hand of God that God had already protected him from Laban. And said, listen, Laban is not going to come after you. And in the beginning of chapter 32, we find that he was clearly, he saw the angels. And he said, whoa, this is God's host. Hey, he was traveling with God and he was traveling with God's blessing. And God was going to take care of him. Not only that, but I want you to notice, look with me at verse number 9 of chapter 32. And Jacob said, this is in Jacob's prayer that he prayed to God. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saidst unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred and I will deal well with thee. So Jacob has already been instructed of God to go back to his own country, and God has already promised Jacob, saying, hey, I will take care of you. So Jacob is not just venturing out on his own. Jacob is not just saying, well, you know, I'm kind of tired of Laban. I think I'm going to go back home. Uh, this was directed of by God. God had instructed Jacob, hey, I want you to go back to your hometown, and I want you to be there, and I want, I want you to understand and realize, I will take care of you. And he did when Laban came after him. God protected him. And in chapter 32, that was, not all the, that was not the end of God's protection. God was not saying, okay, I'm done protecting you. No, that was only the beginning of God's protection. And God sent angels with him as well saying, listen, I'm going to make sure that those angels go with you and I'm going to make sure that you see them. And when Jacob was walking in God's will and going in God's direction, he couldn't help but keep his own hand in the pie and trying to make the pie. You imagine... Um, us trying to help out God. How foolish is that in reality? Because God is more than capable of taking care of the situation. 
And we find that God had sent the angels. We see that God had sent protection uh, from Laban. God had sent the angels. And and Jacob knew that that was God's will. and, And God had clearly showed him that he was to go back and that God would take care of him. But Jacob just couldn't help himself from, uh, from, and keep himself from scheming and trying to figure out uh, how to take care of the problem himself instead of allowing God to take care of the problem. Listen, many times in our life, we try to take care of the problem. And, and listen, in reality is we need to know for sure what God wants us to do and say, you know what, God, I'm going to follow you. And if God, if that's what you want, then I'm going to trust you. Walking by faith requires just that. It's walking by faith, not by sight. It's not being able to see how it's all going to work out. Not being able to understand sometimes how it's all going to work out. And Jacob could not keep himself from doing that. Look with me in verse 24, and we can see the stress that Jacob was under. We can see the scheming that Jacob did, that he tried to uh, manipulate all the circumstances. I want you to see the struggle that Jacob had in, in chapter 32 with the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse 24. The Bible says, And Jacob was left alone. After, let's go back just for a moment, I won't read, but after he had broke up all the all the droves, and he had lined everything up. By the way, it says there in verse... uh, Let me go back here on my notes. It says there in verse number 13, I believe it is. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. I read that and I thought, he lodged there for the night. And I thought... You know what? This is just my opinion. I think Jacob went to bed, and I thought he got to worrying, and he couldn't sleep. And you know what he did that night? He got up and he started thinking, how can I do this? How can I make this better? How can I change this? How can I make sure that that this is going to go well? And instead of sleeping and trusting in God's promises and God's protection, he said, well, I'm going to figure this all out. And, And he probably stayed up late at night and figured all that out and came up with his plan to send all the troops out and to, to do everything that he did. And, and so we see as he divided them and, and he set everything up and then uh, the Bible says that he even sent them ahead of him, but he stayed back. And so in verse 24, when we come back into our, our area, he said, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. As I read this passage, this is a uh, a very interesting portion of Scripture. And I want you to notice his struggle. One, I want you to notice this in verse 24. It's a personal time with God. Jacob was left alone. Listen, I I believe it is important for us to get away 
from everything and get alone with God. That is so important in your life. Jacob, while he was there, he was distracted with all the other people. He was distracted with his herds. He was distracted with everything. And, and, and he, he needed time that he could be alone with God. He did not wrestle with God until he got alone with God. I remember an African tribe that uh, uh, they, a missionary had gone there and preached and, and taught, and much of the, uh, the, the tribe there had gotten saved, and, and, uh, and they lived in huts, and they had grass fields, and, and what they would start to do is uh, they, would, uh, they would start to realize, well, I need to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what they would do, because their huts were small and the village was small, and they would, uh, they would get their Bible and they would go out the back of their, their hut that was set kind of in a ring, and they'd go out to the back, and they'd go out in the fields there, and, and, uh, and then they would just find a spot that they could pray and read the Bible. They would do that regularly. Matter of fact, it got to be such a, a regular thing that as they went out their hut every morning and did that, that they would wear a trail down as they traveled out there. Eventually, it got to be a well-worn path that you could tell, oh, that person's a Christian and that person's a Christian. And it got to be so regular that sometimes some of the Christians would realize somebody was having some struggles and difficulties, and they would look and they would say, well, you know what, your path is it's all overgrown. We've noticed you're not going out back anymore and you're not going alone with God and you're not spending time with God and you've kind of dropped off with your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That path was, became overgrown with weeds and bushes because they weren't walking out there anymore and talking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we need to make sure that we get alone with God. And, and there's so many distractions. We don't live in a hut. We, have, uh, we don't have a path per se. But I'm telling you, there are so many distractions in 2021 that we need to shut things off. And that you, you can, you know what? It's not a bad thing to turn your phone off. <gasps> turn it off? Turn it off. Shut it off. You know, there is a power button, and if you hold it long enough, your phone actually says shut it off. I'm not talking about put it on silent. So it goes, vzz, vzz. you got a message. Vzz, vzz. Somebody wants to talk to you. You get all these distractions. Shut it off. Shut off the TV. Shut off the radio. Shut off all the distractions of the world. Take some time in utter silence to get alone with God and His Word. Jacob wrestled with God when he was alone with God. I want you to notice in verse number 25, the Bible says this, And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, you have to read this a few times to really kind of get the context because all the he's get confusing. So I'm going to help you out uh, with the he's. I'm going to put the name in there. It says, and when, uh, when the angel, I'll put it the angel, when the angel saw that Jacob prevailed, I messed that up, when Jacob, when the angel saw that the angel prevailed not against Jacob, the angel touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. They wrestled with each other. And, and as you look at this, it's interesting to me, and you know that because of Jacob's thigh who was touched, and you can trace all that back if you sit down and read it a few times. But... Uh, but as you look at this and think about it, I want you to recognize this, that, that Jacob was prevailing against the angel. That, that amazes me. 
And, and I don't know uh, dogmatically, I wouldn't, wouldn't say one way or the other, but I do think this, I think it is a tremendous display of the fact that, listen, your flesh wrestles against God on a regular basis. And there's times that your flesh wins to the air of your own way. And, and we can see that in a very picturesque, I read that, and, and, and some, uh, I tend to think that that angel was God. It was a pre-incarnate uh, uh, visit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, uh, and, and I think that's amazing to me that, that Jacob would prevail over God himself. But I think about it and I thought, boy, it kind of relates to our flesh. And many times our flesh, we prevail over a God to our own error and to our own mistake. And we find that that can be true. But then the second thing that I want us to see out of this as well is that Jacob prevailed also in prayer. Look with me at verse 26. And he said, let me go. That would be the angel. The angel said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, that would be Jacob. He said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And we find that even though many of Jacob's decisions and the way he went in his life were wrong, we find that uh, he did have good motive. You see that uh, he did want, you, you, all the way back from the very earliest days of Jacob, he desired to have the birthright. Jacob and Esau were twins. And he desired to have that birthright. He desired to have that blessing. Now he did I'm not saying the way he went about getting it was right because it was not. It was certainly wrong. And the things that he did were, were certainly wrong. But he desired God's blessing in his life so much that even when he wrestled with God, he said, listen, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And, and he prevailed in prayer asking for the very blessing of God. And though Je Jacob's had bad methods, uh, I think his, his sincerity of his heart and his direction that he was heading uh, was, was good and that he did desire uh, to have that blessing of God. And listen, we need to desire that blessing of God. We need to go about it the right way, but we need to desire that blessing of God so much that we're saying, hey, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to limit myself and I'm going to say, you know what, God, I want your blessing in my life. And Jacob was not about to let go as he wrestled until, until God blessed him. And we find in verse 28, And he said, Thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. What an incredible account that we see a desert of barrenness in, in Jacob's life. We see the many wrong decisions. We see how he uh, tried to manipulate situations and, and, and cause things. But in the end, we see that God did bless Jacob. We see that God did 
uh, changed his name and said, hey, you're no longer going to be known as, as Jacob, the supplanter, the deceiver, uh, but rather as Israel, and, and I'm going to bless you and, and change your name. And we find uh, what a blessing that Jacob had as he prevailed with God in prayer, and, and he would not give up. But listen, uh, as you, I, I kind of missed that part, you, uh, you think about it, Jacob didn't leave the same as he came. Bible says that the Lord touched the, 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 his thigh and, and he put it out of joint. And I don't understand. All I do know is this. For the rest of his life, Jacob limped. And it was a reminder saying, you know what? Your flesh is not going to serve you. It has to be God that works through you. And you may be powerful in your flesh, but it's got to be God that accomplishes stuff through you and in your life. And for the rest of Jacob's life, he was reminded that as he would walk day to day. You think about it, in Bible times, they didn't, uh, he didn't have a, a, a wheelchair. He didn't have uh, anything of that nature. He would walk everywhere he would go. You didn't get in a car and go to the supermarket. Everywhere he went, he would go walk, and he would limp to be reminded of, hey, you know what? God's going to bless me, but I have to trust in him. And I, don't, I shouldn't be manipulating circumstances and situations, but I need to have my full trust placed in God and my dependence in God. And so you look at Jacob's life, and as I said, he's, a, he's an interesting character. And sometimes uh, difficult maybe to know uh, really what direction he was headed in his life. But he did pray and ask God for a blessing. And he did say, hey, I want God's blessing in my life. And he did desire God in his life though many of his decisions and many of the things that he did were not right. We need to be careful that we walk with God and that, uh, that we're careful to follow and obey God uh, to the T of his word. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for the life of Jacob. It serves as an illustration, Father, of our flesh and your spirit. And God, how we so desire to have control over stuff and to know and to do things of our own accord. But God, how important and how necessary it is to trust in You. God, I pray that You'd help us to trust in You. God, as the, the one fellow in the New Testament prayed, God, he said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. God, by nature, many times, we are distrusting people. But help us to trust in your hand and in your ability and in your provision and in your protection. God, though we cannot see it, and many times we cannot understand it, but may we know, God, that if we're walking with you and we're doing right and we're following you, that you'll take care of every detail. Help us to trust you and follow you with our life, Father, and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, God spoken to your heart. Certainly our flesh wrestles with God tempted by day by day. 
we need to trust God. Ask Him to help maintain a personal walk with Him. to a close. we got a couple minutes here before church starts up, and so I encourage you to smile at somebody, tell them you're glad to see them here this morning, and then you get a couple minutes before our service starts here at 11. God bless.